from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of Luke, the account of the temptation of Christ. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Mighty Father, you have sent your Son into this world to conquer all that would oppose us, sin, death, and the devil. Lord, and by his dying and his rising, he has won the victory for us. We pray today, O Lord, that as we hear your word once again, you would instill in our hearts the great confidence that our foes have been conquered. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. Today's reading from the Gospel, I think, affords us a wonderful opportunity to ask ourselves the question, how do I read the Bible? And the way you answer that question, how do I read the Bible, or maybe you could ask it this way, when I read the Bible, how do I interpret the Bible? The way you answer that question is going to depend largely on what you think the Bible is about, or who you think the Bible is about. I would venture to guess that if we were to go around the sanctuary this morning and I would have everybody write down what do you think the Bible is about, we would get a variety of answers. We would have some people, I'm sure, who think that the Bible is sort of a spiritual key to the universe, and if we just open the Bible, we can see all the secret spiritual insights that God would have us know about him and his world. There are those of us here who would say the Bible is B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Maybe you've heard that one. Somebody might write, uh, the Bible is 66 love letters which God has sent to his church. And others would say uh, that the Bible is the grand narrative of God's salvific history for the sake of Israel and all the world. Uh, But you would be a nerd if you did it that way. So there's all kinds uh, of answers we would probably get when we would ask the question, what is the Bible about? But I would venture to guess that the way we understand, the way we hear this passage, this account of Jesus' temptation this morning, is going to show us, or give us good insight into, how it is that we read the Bible, how it is we understand the Bible, and who we think the Bible is actually about. Just to recap really briefly here, the, the, the account today is... Jesus being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. It is a fascinating account in Luke's gospel. Luke writes how Jesus has just come from being baptized, and he is taken, interestingly enough, by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And there for 40 days, Jesus fasts as the devil is tempting him. As we come to the end of the temptation, we see Satan try and tempt Jesus in three very powerful ways, and yet Jesus overcomes each and every temptation by standing firmly on the word of God. Satan can't stop Jesus. He can't conquer Jesus. And so Luke tells us he goes away until an opportune time. Incidentally, uh, when you read through Luke's gospel, you do not encounter Satan again until Holy Week, until he comes to Judas and drives Judas to betray Jesus. That is the opportune time. So how do you hear that passage? How do you hear that story this morning? When you listen to the account of Christ's temptation, what is it you're paying attention to? What are you hearing? Maybe you're somebody who sees the Bible as sort of a field guide to spiritual warfare. Like you read the Bible and you think, this is going to be a book that helps me understand spiritual warfare very well. And so as you read the account today, you're focused very much on the nature of the temptations that Satan is throwing at Jesus. 
as you read the passage, you notice how Jesus is hit by Satan when he is at his weakest. He's most vulnerable. He's tempted by food while he's starving. You'll also notice how Satan comes along and, and pretends to be God. Lies about the authority that he has and says, listen, I have authority over all of this and I can just give it to you if you just bow down and worship me. It's like he's coming to Jesus and saying, I'm going to give you everything God has promised you in a much easier way than God has promised to give it. He's going to force you to go to a cross. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. It's much easier. And you'll notice that the devil, when his temptation, gives Jesus the easy way out. You'd also notice how Satan takes Bible verses. He actually quotes the Bible. But he uses the Bible verses against God's will. He uses the word of God against the will of God. And you would notice that this is the nature of temptation, that this is the way that Satan works. Now, if that's how you read the Bible, there may be something very useful in all of this. It might be very helpful to understand the nature of the way in which Satan attacks us and that Satan attempt, uh, uh, tempts us. But if that's how you read the passage, who is the text all about? Satan. And let me give you a quick insight, friends. The Bible is not primarily uh, about Satan. It's not the primary focus of the text. If we read the passage this way, all we've learned is how Satan works. Further, all we've seen then is how Satan has had victory over us. Because we would begin to recognize the different ways that Satan has attacked us, the different ways that Satan has tempted us, and the different ways that we have failed when those temptations come our way. And if we read the passage that way, at the end of the whole thing, all we've learned is about our weakness and Satan's power over us. He is stronger than we are. And I will tell you that I do not believe this passage is about the power of Satan at all. So maybe that's not the best way to read the passage. Maybe we go to one of the more tried and true ways. Let's say, let's read those texts in view of the B-I-B-L-E reading, basic instructions before leaving. Maybe we need to read this passage as a guide for us to show us what it is we must, what we must do when Satan comes tempting us. Now, if you read the Bible this way, you're going to see Jesus here as your example and as your guide, and he is going to show you what you are supposed to do when temptation comes your way. And so if this is how you read it, what do you see Jesus do? Every time the, uh, the devil tempts Jesus, he throws Bible verses right back in his face. He has a command of the scripture, and he uses the truth of God's word to silence the devil. Now, the devil tries to start playing a little bit of chess here with Jesus. Jesus will throw Bible verses at the devil, so the devil says, oh yeah, I can play that game too. And he starts pulling Bible verses of his own. So one of the things Satan does is he takes Jesus and he, and he sits him on uh, the pinnacle of the temple. And this is what he says. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. To guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now, Satan is quoting the Bible here. Those are two verses right out of the Psalms. And he's using those verses to tell Jesus that you must act in a particular way. But Jesus is on to his game, and Jesus notices that the way Satan is using the Word of God is against the will of God, as we mentioned a moment ago. And so what Jesus is seeing is how Satan is twisting God's word to get him to do things that God doesn't want him to do. And so Jesus responds. It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Jesus uses the word of God faithfully. He uses the word of God truly. The word of God, trusted and faithfully proclaimed, faithfully used, silences the devil. Now again, this might not be the worst way to read this passage. There is some value here, and in fact, it is most certainly true that we need to know the word of God so that we can discern truth from error, so that we can recognize when the devil comes to tempt us away from the word of God. In fact, St. Paul, when he's writing his letters in the New Testament, writes to uh, Pastor Timothy, and he reminds Timothy that the scriptures are very valuable for us in understanding truth and error. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It is is vitally important to our faith that we hear, learn, mark, and inwardly digest this word of God so that we can discern truth from error, so that we can stand firm when the day of temptation comes our way. But, If that's how you read the passage today, who is the text all about? Well, in this reading, the text is all about me. It's all about what I'm supposed to do. It's all about how I need to use the word of God better and know the word of God better so I'm able to stand firm against the devil. And if you're anything like me, if you read the passage that way, what do you start telling yourself? I don't know the Bible as well as I should. I've got a lot more work to do. I've got a lot more verses to memorize. I've got a lot more of the scripture that I need to have a handle on if I'm ever going to defeat the devil if he ever comes tempting me. And if that's your mentality, you start to look back on your past and you kind of put you in the same position that the last reading put you in. You start to see the number of times you failed because you didn't know the word of God very well. Or worse, you did know what the word of God said and you did the opposite. Even though you knew what you should be doing. All this passage then would reveal to you is your inability to handle the word of God properly and your weakness in the face of Satan. This text becomes wildly intimidating to us, showing us what we are not doing as we should be doing. So maybe what we want to do at this point is stop trying to find a way to interpret the passage, if I can say it this way, and maybe just let the text speak for itself. Maybe what we want to do is just have the account of Luke in front of us, and we're not going to reread it because we've heard it uh, read already, and Rachel did a nice summary of it for us today. Uh, We already know what the text says. We're not going to reread it, but maybe we just need to stop for a moment and ask ourselves what is happening in the scripture. Not interpret it, but listen to it. And if we do that, what do we find? We find that this account is not about you, or me at all. We find that this account is about Jesus. And what we do when we read the passage this way, by just listening to what the text says, is we find ourselves with a front row seat to one of the greatest battles that ever took place in the history of this planet. When Jesus was out in the wilderness being tempted by Satan for 40 days, and Jesus won. What we find here is that this account is about not the power of Satan, but his inability to overcome the Son of God. That this account is not about what we have to do in the face of temptation, but what Christ has done in the face of temptation and how he has conquered it. 
It is about how Jesus never once veered from the word or the will of God. And because of his faithfulness, Satan was unable to overcome him. This account is about how Jesus has done what nobody in the history of the world was ever able to do. Not even our first parents, Adam and Eve. When they came, when Satan came and tempted them, they gave in. They did not stand on the word of God, but Jesus did. This account is about how Jesus was able to overcome the very temptations you and I face and fail at day in and day out. But how he did not cave. To give a good example of what this text is actually about, maybe what we want to do is look at a parable Jesus told once, or a story Jesus told. He's describing his ministry this way. He says, my ministry is kind of like this. The coming of the kingdom of God is like this. That there's a strong man who has a house with a lot of stuff in it. But a thief comes along and binds the strong man and plunders his house. This is one of my favorite parables because it's so strange. In this parable, Jesus is the thief and Satan is the strong man. And Jesus has shown up into his house, bound him, and begun to take back for himself that which is his own. He begins to take back authority over the creation which Satan seems to have stolen. He begins to take back those things that Satan has captured and enslaved and make them his own. Jesus comes and binds the strong man and plunders his goods. And praise be to God, you are those goods that Christ has plundered. He bound the strong man, kicked Satan off of his throne so that he might take back his authority for you and for your sake. That's what the account is about. That is what the account is about. The victory of Christ over Satan. And it is good news for you. For you and I, we have suffered on account of our sin and our failure to overcome temptation. We suffer under the authority and the power of the devil until we have a redeemer who shows up who conquers Satan by purchasing us with his blood. This is a battle that takes place, and it starts there in the wilderness, and it culminates on the cross, where we find Satan doing what he was always prophesied to do all the way back at the beginning of Genesis, that he strikes the heel of the Messiah. as He drives Judas to betray Jesus, and Jesus is crucified. But it is with that bruised heel that Jesus crushes the head of kicks the tyrant off the throne and becomes the Lord of heaven and earth for you and for me. And in this way, we might even think of it this way, this text is about how Jesus tyrannizes the tyrant. Jesus becomes Satan's tyrant. For you see, Jesus will not abide by anybody who causes his loved ones to suffer, who works evil against those he loves. And so Jesus comes to conquer, bind, and cast out Satan so that he has no authority over you at all whatsoever. You see, you are no longer bound to Satan's lies. For you have been baptized into Christ Jesus and made his own. Christ, in other words, has come to rescue you from the dominion of darkness and bring you into his kingdom where you have redemption and the forgiveness of all of your sins. The forgiveness for every single time you have given into temptation. That is the very sin that Christ has forgiven you for. Satan can no longer accuse you for it. But Christ has taken it away. And you belong to him now. So that when the devil comes tempting you, simply tell him he can go speak with Jesus. Those temptations are strong, and you are not strong enough to overcome them on your own. So send him to Christ. 
Let Satan know that if he would like to tempt you, he can speak with Jesus about these things, and I'm sure Jesus will have a few words for him. He can take it up with the true Lord of heaven and earth. Your Lord and your Redeemer, Jesus Christ. See, that's what this account is about. All of this which Jesus has done for you. In fact, that's what the entire scripture is all about. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Through the work of your Son, you have overcome the work of Satan. That you have driven him from his lordship in our consciences and even in this world and have replaced him with Jesus Christ, our forgiver and our redeemer. Help us, Lord, in the face of temptation to flee to Christ for refuge. And we thank you that Christ is our strong. It's in his name we pray.